Well, good morning. Great to have you here on this uh, Memorial Day weekend, rain and all. Uh, hopefully you didn't get too wet coming in. Good to have you with us. And uh, we're moving through a series called Living Proof. Living Proof. We're actually only two weeks left. We're in chapter four here in the book of Philippians. We're looking at what it means to have God's thumbprint on your soul. Like if I'm trusting him and God has his way with me and he's moving in me and making me a new creation, then what does it look like according to the book of Philippians? Some things that Paul recorded as he uh, sent out to the church at Philippi and just said, hey, here's some things that I'm praying for you, some things I'm longing for you to have, all right? Today we're looking at living uh, in peace, living in his peace. And uh, so let me just start with this, a couple scenarios. All is going really great. I mean, it's going really well. Got some great relationships. Uh, things are going great in my job. Love my church. The finances at home are just going awesome. And uh, is it reasonable to expect to have peace in that situation? And yeah, probably, right? And all right, here's another one. My job is rough. Uh, My boss is, well, quite frankly, he's unfair. The things that he asks of me and the things that he expects of me are not reasonable and I'm not succeeding, but I don't even think it's my fault. And can I have peace in that situation? Here's another one. Uh, My schooling is tough. I'm looking for some direction. I'm a little bit unclear right now. Not even quite sure what my best strengths are. Grades? Not turning out that well right now as I'm trying to figure out where God's taken me next. And, and uh, can I have peace in that situation? And, uh, or another one, my child is struggling, making some bad decisions, uh, growing up kind of rough right now. And uh, can I have peace in that situation? So peace, what is it? The answer is yes to every one of those. We can have peace regardless of the circumstances. Peace. And so here's the definition I put down for it this week. Peace. Worth writing down. It's a divine impact on the soul of the one trusting the Almighty. Peace. A divine impact on the soul of one trusting the Almighty. It's all about my trust in Him. It's all about me putting Him first. And and if I trust Him... Well, there's something divine that he does with me, and we're going to learn about it today, all right? He gives us three different things we need to have, three different ingredients we need to work on. Uh, Be listening this morning, because I'm telling you, this is possibly one of the most elusive truths in Scripture. It's easy to say we have a God of peace. It's easy to say we can be near our God. And then how often do we live life in the midst of turmoil, and we get all bound up in whatever... And all of a sudden, the smile's gone, the joy is gone, the calm is gone, the peace is gone. And uh, so today we're going to be talking about how exactly can I have that divine impact on my soul, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. We're going to get started there. we got ushers coming forward. They've got uh, Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Philippians 4, verse 2, as we walk through the rest of this Uh, segment here through verse 9. Just keep your hand raised, they'll get a Bible to you. First step, uh, relationships. Get along. 
Let your unity and single-mindedness be made known to everyone. Relationships. Get along. Let your unity and single-mindedness be made known to everyone. You would be amazed how much your peace is affected by not getting along with other people. You're like, duh. I think I kind of knew that one. And uh, hang on, let's look at it in a little more detail and see what Paul has to teach here, all right? So uh starts out, chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I entreat Yodia and Syntyche. I entreat. It's like, I urge you. I, I long for this for you. Uh, if there was one thing I could have for you. Right? That's what he means. I entreat you. Please do this. Uh, agree in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. Now, we talked about this before in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, it was, have the same mind in you that is in Christ Jesus, right? And starts in verse two and moves forward. And he's saying, have that same mind. Uh, That's what he's talking about here as well. Agree in the Lord. Have that mind, which is in Christ Jesus. In fact, in chapter two, he presses on it and says, the humble mind of Christ. Humility is what we need if we're going to have agreement coming along. All right. If we're walking around and we're like, oh no, nobody will tell me I'm wrong. I'm telling you, it's going to be a little hard to agree with that guy over the course of time, right? At some point, you're going to be like, what's with that guy, right? And why doesn't Pastor Tim go talk to him, right? Because why not leave it to me? And and then I have to go confront somebody who's doing something, right? That's the thought is, I'm not going to do anything. I just want them to get over themselves. That'd be nice, right? And uh, humility. It's Philippians chapter 2, but it's more than that. Agreeing in the Lord. What does it mean? So I just wrote this down. Five steps to agreeing in the Lord. Five steps to agreeing in the Lord. Uh, number one, first of all, it says in the Lord, right? And so the number one is align with God's word. Align with God's word. That's the first step. And uh, it's really important that if we're going to agree in the Lord, we know what the Lord has to say. You know what I mean? And so make sure you understand how the word applies. This is not agree with the one who's most pushy. This is not agree with the one who refuses to back down. This is not agree with the one who has a temper tantrum if they don't get their way. This is agree in the Lord. That's a big difference, right? And how often do we live life where we try to navigate the waters of low conflict? And so, in fact, we start playing the game of agree with the one who has the temper tantrum or agree with the one who has the high desire to see it their way. Um, Just because they have a strong opinion doesn't necessarily mean they're right. It doesn't mean they're wrong either. And uh, let's make sure we find out what scripture has to say, right? Agree in the Lord. So that's number one. First is align with the truth. Second, uh, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Uh, you ever heard this statement? You have two ears and one mouth. Use it in that ratio. Have you heard that? Like, listen well, man. They have some things to say. They've got some things they're thinking through. And I'm telling you, you need to hear them. And so seek to understand 
What is it you're trying to communicate or that you desire or want? And uh, be kind and gracious in that time frame. You'll be amazed at how a little bit of listening goes a long, long way. Hey, I'm telling you, when we're counseling, uh, the first time I meet with somebody, it could be upwards of 45 minutes or an hour that we're sitting and just hearing. And so then what? And so what are you saying about that? And so what did that make you think? And so where did that take you? And how did you apply that to scripture? Or what did they say about that? Or where, right? Help me understand the scenario before I just go jumping in, kicking doors down and taking no prisoners. Let's figure out what's really going on. Listen well. All right. Number three, uh, be willing to be wrong. Be willing to be wrong. Uh, this means you might need to bring the words, uh, I apologize, please forgive me, right? Be willing to see that your view of things may be, um, maybe you're even capturing some accuracy, but there's some things you need to let go of. And uh, be willing to say, you know what, I apologize. You're right, I see your side on that. Uh, please forgive me for that. Uh, sorry I didn't see that. Sorry I stepped on you. Be willing to be wrong. If you step in saying, I am unwilling to be wrong, uh, you're going for the not agree in the Lord, but agree in me. You know what I'm saying? It will be all about me. You will agree with me. In the end, I will bend you. And uh, you will agree with me. And uh, that's not the game plan. Agree in the Lord. All right? Uh, be willing to be wrong. Number four, be willing to forgive. They might be wrong. And if they apologize, it's, no, no. Uh, you don't know what you dragged me through. A few days of me torturing you now. I'm going to freeze you out. Or, or I'm not going to, right? That's not what it's about. Like, I forgive you. And uh, remember, Scripture's pretty clear. Like, even as God, through Christ Jesus, has forgiven us. And, and like, how do we want Christ to respond when we come rushing to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, no. Do you know what you dragged me through? Is that what we're expecting from Christ? Or is it the immediate, Done. I love you, covered at the cross. Come here. Right? That's where we need to be, is a willing forgiveness. And uh, you'd be amazed how often the gospel just keeps coming back to every aspect of our life, right? And uh, So align with the truth, seek first to understand, then to be understood, be willing to be wrong, be willing to forgive. And number five, uh, be gracious in the gray areas. Be gracious in the gray areas. Look, there's a lot of things in scripture that may not be addressed. It's just subjective calls. It's you two talking it out and you have differing opinions and one of you is more introverted and one of you is more extroverted or whatever the differences in you might be. And as you start leading through your differences, you come to different opinions. Spend some time hearing each other on the gray areas. You might be amazed at what you can learn about how you have a very narrow bent. And you could actually widen that bent just a little bit and it could still go really well. Okay. Agree in the Lord. Uh, some of you here today need to agree in the Lord and you've got a family member or a spouse or a parent or a child or a coworker where it's time. It's time to figure out how to talk some things through and work some things out that God might be honored and glorified. All right. So those are five steps to agreeing in the Lord. Notice he says right after it, um, Yes, I also ask you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. Help these women. And uh, look, this happens to be two women fighting. It's not always women. 
All right. That is not how we exegete this passage. Everybody say, not always women. Sometimes men can often be men. I agree with you. All right. And so it just happens in this case, we have a couple of women who are battling it out. And these women have impact in the church. These are workers. These are servers for Christ. They have opinions and thoughts and they've been battling with each other. What are they battling about? I I, I don't know. It doesn't say. It's not even important. What's important is that they agree in the Lord. And so, hey, true companion, who is this guy? It's a divine mystery, right? God chooses not to tell us here. Uh, not exactly sure. People have guessed, you know, hey, maybe it's Epaphroditus, the guy carrying the letter. Or maybe it's uh, this guy Clement who's mentioned right after it. But that'd be kind of weird. He mentioned him twice. And like, there's a lot of guesses and there really aren't any great guesses. I think we just know this. Uh, Paul's worked with him. Paul knows him well. Paul trusts him. And in fact, so does the church at Philippi because he's calling him to get in there and act. The Lord has spoken. That's a serious rumble, man. All right. And uh, hey, true companion, help these women. Uh, what does it look like to help people that aren't in agreement? Well, let's be real. It looks like get ready because most likely the first time you weigh in a little bit, you might actually get tagged by both of them. Right? Because both parties are trying to make a point. And they want to be heard, and so be careful how you weigh in. And let me just say this, if you're going to help, go back to these same five points of what it looks like to agree in the Lord, and process that through with them. Uh, making sure that they understand what Scripture says, not authoritatively demanding over it, where now there's a third opinion. And now your three people are battling. It's not that. It's sitting down with them and helping them process. So uh, you may even need to walk through these five steps for you. So what's Scripture? And uh, seek first to understand. You're going to be amazed at how much you need to listen. It may not be what it looks like from the outside. So as you wait in, hear both sides of the story, not just one, right? Proverbs is pretty clear. Until you've heard both sides, you don't know what you're talking about. And so hear both sides and be able to process it together and bring it together. It takes time. It may even take a couple weeks as you hear from one and then hear from the other and they know you're working with them and you're bringing them together. Be patient and work it together. Listening well, because you may not know everything and you need to hear the inside story, making sure you get scripture lifted up first and foremost that they might agree in the Lord. Uh, Even getting people to say, you're right, this is a subjective call. That's a huge move. Because the step next is, so is it just always going to be your way? Or are you allowed to try to figure this out? Agreeing in the Lord. A big deal. I'll just tell you right now, agreeing in the Lord, that's a great term for really what happens even in our elder meetings. Like consensus. And when we're making decisions and we have to understand what's first and foremost, God's word, right? And then there's some subjective thoughts around it and how do those work together? But how can we come together with something that will agree amongst all of us there in our subjective pieces of opinion as God's brought us in that room and yet God's word is first and foremost. And uh, that's how we make our decisions. And everything is decided through a unanimous position. Okay, that's where we go as an elder board. That's how we lead around here. God's honoring it huge. Make that what it looks like in your home. Make that what it looks like with your friendships. God's word first, 
and then let's work it out and helping people come together with it. Okay. Uh, really, I don't like to confront. And uh, I know America teaches not to, don't they? Like, Hey man, that's their thing. Just let them do their thing and work it out. And, and just so you know, um, that is not biblical. Biblical is it is our job to wade in. Now, if you happen to see a disagreement in the moment, it's okay to give it a little bit of time to see if they can work it out. Okay. Hear me. Don't just go jumping on each other on the way out. You know, and you're like, I think we need to go left. I think we need to go right. Hey, let's work this out. We're going to have to work out this difference of opinion now. Like just lighten up and let everybody have their little bit of range of motion. Right. And they're going to work through things. But if they're not getting to it, it's time to maybe lean in a little bit. Right. Who all should be a part of it? Well, look what he says here. True companion. He's called first. And then it says, uh, because these women, they've labored side by side with me in the gospel. They've labored with uh, Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. There's an implication that all of these guys should be participating in this game plan of helping. And true companion man here is probably leading the way. Okay. And uh, notice all of them have their names in the book of life, in the book of life. I just thought it was kind of important to camp on that for a moment. What is the book of life? And uh, it is Old Testament and New Testament. We see it in both spots. And uh, so I just wrote these down. Uh, Malachi 3, 16 and 17. It says that there is a book of remembrance for those that fear the Lord. There is a book in heaven of remembrance for those that fear the Lord. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. It says, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. If you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, your name is written in heaven, it says. Um, recorded in this book, Revelation 13, 8. Um, kind of a negative side to it. All those who are alive in the end times, whose names are not written in the book of life, from before the foundation of the world, they will worship the beast. They will worship Satan and his minions. They will be about themselves and those who won't honor God. Uh, name not written in the book of life, bad moment. Okay? Revelation 20, 15, another negative statement. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, we are thrown into the lake of fire for eternity. That is what it means to not be saved, is my name's not in the book of life. Uh, I get my name in the book of life because from before the foundations of the world, God writing this down and recording, this one will be believing in me. This is one who through mercy is being pulled out and saved. And this one's trusting in me as their Lord and King. That's what it means to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, Revelation 21, 27. It says those written in the Lamb's book of life will be made perfect. They will enter into the new heaven. And they will spend eternity with Christ. This is about privilege and honor and glory for eternity. And he's like, I want you to understand these people arguing and battling for eternity. They will be with Christ. They have a life with him. They will be glorifying him. They are your brothers and sisters. This is about heaven and forever. And in the moment, there's no agreement. That's a horrible thing. Let's make this model now. What it's going to be for forever. That's what he's saying. Let's get along. And let's make sure that our relationships reflect it and show it. Um, Iodia and Syntyche. What a bummer to have your name written in scripture like this, isn't it? Can you imagine? Just picture your name there. I, I entreat Iodia and get along. You're like, oh, great. 
Forever, everyone's going to know that I was battling with somebody and it must have gone on for a while because Paul heard about it and had the chance to write about it and send a letter to it and it still wasn't fixed, right? So some things going on and uh, let's make sure we're not that kind of body, right? Uh, Let's make sure that we're working together and that we care to see God glorified in it. You know, um, just as an example, imagine if you will, Uh, There's this object sitting right here, about this big, so I can't see over it, right? And and as it's sitting here, uh, up comes another person who didn't know she was coming up. Up comes another person, my wife. Don't worry, this doesn't happen at home, ever. We never fight. But up comes another person, and on the other side of the object is the person. And they see from their perspective what it looks like as it covers the whole space, And they have an opinion and a position. And I see from my perspective what it looks like. And we begin to talk about it, right? This is what I see. Well, this is what I see. And this is what I, and this, and here's the better plan. Take the object and move it out in front of you and come together on it. Now you know why it's my wife that's up here and come together on it where we're standing side by side and beginning to look at it together and evaluating what we're seeing together, what we see from scripture what we see from our perspectives, and then coming together in a final decision of what we can stand on, the two of us, together as we agree in the Lord. This is what it looks like to wrestle through the problem. If we can't get that object moved out of our way, can you please do me a favor and get over here and help us get that object out of our way? That's what we're called to do. All right? I need to say no more, right? All right. Thanks, Jana. You know what? It's a big deal for us to understand that seriously, God's calling us to good relationships where he's honored. And uh, so what relationships are you struggling with right now where some things need to be cleared up? Where there might be some hurt feelings, where there might be a misunderstanding, where the object is seven feet tall and standing between you and it needs to be moved out of the way. And the two of you need to come together and talk this out. If you have that name, now's the time to commit to saying, Lord, this is the week it's going to be worked out. Done. Like if we're talking about peace and peace with God, it's going to be all through this passage. It starts with, I'm telling you, if there's a peace that's not between the two of you horizontally, forget about the rest. It's time to be working this out. And so who is that person? Now commit to stepping forward with that and getting that done this week. Hey, if it's not working out, give us a call. We would love to sit in and be able to help out pastorally. uh, Maybe it's your impact group leader. Maybe it's just a friend who already knows what's going on and they can sit in with you. Make sure this gets done this week. Handle it that God might be glorified. All right? That's the first step is relationships. Second step, attitude. Attitude. If we're talking about having peace, attitude's going to be a big one. So attitudes, let your reasonableness and rejoicing be known to everyone. Let your reasonableness and rejoicing be made known to everyone. Attitude. So uh, I'm preaching on attitude and thinking this week. So do you think that I ended up having a lot of things come before me this week that maybe had made me have to challenge my attitude and thinking? Like that's the way God works, right? So I've had a humorous four or five days come join me. All right. We're going to talk about attitude now. 
And uh, now it's a question of what God, what's God going to be doing in your life with situations and circumstances. Uh, attitude. I just wrote this as a definition. Attitude. It's a filter of how I process the world. Did you know that? You have to process the world. And every single situation that comes up is you processing. You know, we've heard it as the glass half full, the glass half empty, right? You've heard that phrase. Uh, sure, it's that kind of thing. It's like whenever I look at things, do I see what's broken or what's working? Do I see the bad or the good? Do I see the impossible or the possible? Do I see God at work or do I see me and my loads? And what am I seeing? And uh, it's a filter, okay? Uh, here's another one, attitude. It's a choice. Ugh. Did you know that? And peace, attitude, it's a choice you have to make. And as you're wrestling with this choice, make sure you realize that you can pick up one that's going to really help and another that's going to really hurt. Attitude. Here's the last one. It's an indication of how big I think God is in that moment. It's an indication of how big I think God is in that moment. Uh, dagger, right? In the moment when something comes up, and we're like, great. Now I have to, right? Big problem, little God. And the moment the circumstance is overwhelming and the moment our attitude tanks, our God has been pushed away and we're thinking of him less and we're thinking of the problem more and attitude. It's an indication of how big my God is to me at that moment. How am I treating him? Okay. Irving Berlin just put this quote for attitude. He said, life is 10% what you make it and 90% how you take it. Uh, it's probably pretty true. Uh, we get to affect some things, but a lot of it is how we roll with what's going on. All right attitude. So here we go. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Uh, this word rejoice, it means to review and thankfully celebrate. It, it means as you think through what's just gone on, come up with a list of a few things you can go. That was awesome. That's what it means. And there's always something you can be thinking through. Just think of the guy who's writing this. Paul is writing saying rejoice in the Lord always. And he is where? He's in prison right? Rejoice in the Lord always. It is not about your location or your circumstance. It is about, are you seeing the hand of God move? Are you seeing him bless? Are you seeing him protect? Are you seeing your God at work? Where and how? Uh, you might, if you tend to be more of a glass half empty kind of person, you might need to actively rejoice, like get a pen and write it down because you seem to forget regularly, right? And uh, I can join you in that one. It's easy as you start thinking about problems to get lost in the problems. And you need to start thinking through what's going well. There are things going well. How's God at work in your life? How's God at work in that circumstance? So re uh, rejoice. It's a review and thankfully celebrate. Uh, he says, <clears throat> let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. This is an unusual word, this word reasonableness. In the Greek, it's kind of got a broad range of meaning. In fact, if you look at a lot of the translations, you'll see a lot of different words for this one. Um, words like gentle or humble or sweet or friendly, understanding, loving, uh, gracious, 
this, this is the intent. It's this broad-based, uh, warm, receptive, loving, kind person. I mean, doesn't that sound like an awesome guy? Oh, I met this guy yesterday. He was gentle and humble, sweet, friendly, understanding, loving, reaching out to other people. You're like, oh, I'd never want to meet that guy, right? What a loving, kind guy. And he's saying, please be that. You'll be amazed how when you're that person, the world will recognize it and see it. They may not get where it's coming from. You might have to get a little words going with it later on on that. But be what everyone would love being around. And let God's character flow through you. Let your reasonableness, let your godly character, if you want to put it that way, flow through you and be made known to everyone. He says, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near is another way to say it. Now, this could refer to uh, space, like the Lord is close to me. He's right here with me. It could also refer to time. The Lord is coming back soon as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And, and both of those are appropriate. And I'm just telling you, the Lord is near or the Lord is at hand is, is a promise for us to go. Our God loves us. And our, and our God is with us. And we have him right here with me and soon to return as king of kings, God reigning over all. That's my king. May I respond and react in this world as he is. My God's right here empowering, protecting, and in the end, he will come to right it all. Let's worship him for his return and his presence. That's what he's talking about. The Lord is at hand. What a great promise. I think it's probably speaking more to the location, his presence right here with me, but I'm telling you both very true. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Oh, I didn't know that's what I was supposed to do. Okay, never mind. I just won't ever be anxious, right? Do not be anxious about anything. Wow. That's a big call. Like, uh, I should never, never, never be anxious. Hmm. Uh, when should I be anxious? Never. Uh, never. Uh, haven't we been taught to never say never and always, right? Don't you hear that from your parents? Never say never and always. Jesus did, right? And, and scripture does here. And, and the challenge from Paul is, right? And, and so what's the challenge? I'm telling you, uh, never be anxious. Wow. Now he goes on right after it. We're going to come back to this in just a second. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Pray. Uh, always pray. Never anxious. Always pray. Well, how often should I pray? Always pray. And you're like, oh my word. This is like church ease. I don't even know how this works. Seriously? So I'm just supposed to pray and all of a sudden it's all better and I'm not going to get anxious and uptight about the problem in front of me? How do I handle this? Glad you asked. Let's work it through. All right? So here we go. Let's get some definition first. Never be anxious. So uh, anxiety. Here's a definition for anxiety. It's when I see the problem and I must control it. And one more step. And I find out I can't. See, there's a lot of situations in life where we see the problem and we feel we must control it. But in fact, we can. We start controlling it and it works. Either we move somebody or something. I'm not even saying it's biblical or godly. But as we move them, it works. 
and all of a sudden we feel better about it. I'm telling you this anxious that he's talking about is when we feel we need to take control. And in fact, we even find out we can't. We start getting an anxiety, a welling up within us, a giant what if going on. (gasps) But the moment you experience those, you are absolutely trying to take control. It is high control in you in that moment. And be careful. So what's the opposite then? Uh, The opposite of anxious is trusting. Trusting. It's when you see the problem and you recognize that God has control of it. And you're only going to act on your responsibilities. The rest is up to him. That's when everything comes down. It's low control, high trust. Trust is when God has control of it. I just have a few responsibilities. I'll act on those. The rest of it I leave in his hands. God has control of it. Low control, high trust. Hang on, that's going to come up in just a second again. Low control, high trust. You want no anxiousness? That's what it looks like. Most of the time we have a problem with the word control. Low control, high trust. All right, so the never and always, we've covered that. So what's prayer and supplication? Two different words here. The one word prayer, that's like talking to God, telling him, God, this is hard. It's rocking me. I'm stuck. I don't even know how to look at this. Lord, I bring this before you. And oh, by the way, thank you for who you are. I'm amazed with what you do. Adoring him and thanking him and worshiping him. That's part of prayer. Uh, confessing sin, part of prayer. And then supplication. This is where we ask specifically for some things. When we ask specifically And we've talked about this right before Easter. We went through this one day sermon, right? And it's, Lord, this specific thing, but your will be done, not mine. That's what it looks like to ask, to supplicate, if you want to use the giant verb here, right? It's, Lord, I'm going to ask you very specifically, but I'm also expecting your will. Hey, when Jesus was sweating like drops of blood, it was not in the moment of asking, please take this cup from me. That's easy for us to ask for the specific. The sweat is when you're wrestling with handing over your will and saying, no control here, your control. What do you want done? That's the sweat equity in the prayer time. God, I'm giving you this prayer. You this time. You take control. Hey, all too often we can make our prayer time control time. And I'm telling you, we get in there and we're like, this is what I want, God. And I'm asking this and this and this, and I'm specifically demanding it over and over again until you give it to me, right? And every prayer controller I know goes to the parable and they quote, it's, it's like the woman who is pounding on the door repeatedly until late in the hours of the night and the persistence. And so I'm persistent. Hey, look, I'm all for persistence. Just hear me. If your persistence is because of control, it will not be the kind of persistence God's looking for. If your persistence is because of trust and you just want to be near him, Well, that's when the peace of God storms into your life. Be very careful. Persistently demanding is high control, even in your prayer time. It's not going to bring it home. Low control, high trust. As you live life, as you pray, all right? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Repeatedly remembering the things that are going well that God has done for you. The salvation available through Christ and his cross. Loving what he's done for me. I love my God. He's awesome, right? Thank you, Lord, for... uh, With thanksgiving. Two things to be thankful for. Number one, uh, the blessings God's poured on you. The blessings God's poured on you. Get good at seeing the blessings. 
another thing to be thankful for, the hedge of protection where he's held away the hurts, the hedge of protection. And uh, some of you are like, hey, you don't know the hedge that's hitting me right now. And uh, actually I may. And, uh, and I understand that there's tough times we go through. And when that hedge of protection shrinks in, even ever so slightly, we feel that. Trust your God. Thank him for the protection that's there and for the gifts that are being lavished on. And trust him with your will. Low control, high trust. God at work. And the end result? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The end. And the peace of God will guard. That's a promise, man. When you see words that say will, you lock yourself in. Will guard. I do this and it's done. Peace of God on me. The divine impact of one trusting the almighty God. If you do these things. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That means like it defies human logic. It defies human intuition. It defies any reason of any human being if they just walk by in the world. They're going to walk past and as they're watching you in it, they're like, how can you be calm? This doesn't even make sense. And your answer is, yes, it surpasses all knowledge. It's the peace of God. As I'm going low control, high trust. Lord, you've got my, my life, my will, my heart, and I'm trusting you with it. All right. It says it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Guard. This is like, uh, it's a military term. It means there's a garrison around your heart protecting you. And uh, isn't it ironic? Usually when we're going out controlling, the very thing we're trying to do is protect ourselves. Isn't it? We're trying to protect our heart and mind. Just so you know, high control, low trust, worst protection of your heart and mind you can have. Uh, low control, high trust in God, best protection of your heart and mind. Lay it in God's hands. Trust him. Like military soldiers, he has your heart and mind protected. Trust your God. And the peace of God will rock your world. That's what he's promising. Peace. What an amazing opportunity to have with him. Uh, so, there's a guy, he goes in to see a doctor. He's like, doctor, I, I just want to let you know, I'm hurting everywhere. It, like every single place. I mean, I touch here, it hurts. I touch here, it hurts. I touch, I touch here, it hurts. Everywhere I touch, it hurts. And the doctor just keeps talking to him and finally diagnoses the problem. He's like, I need you to understand what's wrong. You have a broken finger. <laughs> everywhere you touch, you're feeling your finger hurt. And your filter's broken. And uh, question, how's your filter of attitude? When our attitude is broken, everything will look broken. Maybe it's just how we're trusting in God. Maybe it's the peace isn't there because I don't have a trust. I've got a high control and I'm trying to move people and things that are not my responsibility. And God doesn't give his divine peace in those moments. He says, you're not with me yet. Hang on. He holds that on for the moment you trust him in prayer, with thanksgiving, asking specifically, trusting his will. Place your attitude where it needs to be. May God repair that and watch the peace just flood over you with whatever you're going through. Flood over you. All right? So relationship, 
attitude. And then the last one is the thinking. The thinking. In the thoughts, let your thinking and actions reflect the purity of your God. Thoughts, let your thinking and attitude reflect the purity of your God. He says here real quickly, finally, and uh, this is the second time Paul uses the word finally, right? This time he actually means it. Uh, first time he was heading on to mid-chapter 3, now he's turning the corner, he's closing it out. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So some quick definition work real quick. Let's just walk down these things we should be thinking. True. Think about what's true. That's what aligns with God's word. That's what true means. Think about what's honorable. That's what's noble or dignified. Worthy of respecting. Think about what's just. That's what's right in alignment with God's law. It's not imagining all those things you could do if you could just do any sin you wanted. It's, Lord, I just want to imagine what it's like to be following you. Just, pure, holy, clean, undefiled, pure. Lovely. This is what's pleasing to God, what's attractive to God. It's an expression of his spirit in your life. Lovely. What's pleasing to God. Commendable. It's the stuff that's well thought of. It's the stuff where when you see somebody do it, you're like, hey, great job. That was awesome. It's the things you'd want to encourage somebody to be about and to do. Uh, Excellent. It's not just what's good. It's what's above good. Excellent. And uh, worthy of praise. Stuff that calls for encouragement. Calls for encouragement. That's quite the list to be thinking about. God's word, noble things, what's uh, aligned with his law, what's holy and pure, what's pleasing to God, what's well thought of, what's excellent above good, uh, what's worthy of being encouraged. That's what we're to be thinking about. Just think about those things. You'll be amazed how peace begins to come over you. Why? Because when we grind on the stuff that's broken and it's not even in our control, it takes over our heart. And our attitude starts collapsing right after it. Watch what you think about. Now let's get practical for just a minute. Uh, hey, dads, moms, hey, leaders in a, in a um, school environment or a work environment. Uh, wait a minute. Don't I need to think about some of the stuff that's broken if I'm going to lead? Don't I need to help them see what they need to adjust? And, and so here's just a couple of thoughts on it. Uh, yes, but do me this favor in this order. Number one, review the positives. Be thankful. Review the positives. Try to think on these things, right? And, uh, and then evaluate without complaining. Uh, that'll check your gut. Evaluate without complaining. Just writing down the stuff that needs to be worked on. Be real about it. And then address it without wrath. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. That's what it looks like to address broken stuff, all right? And get yourself back to the island of happy thinking fast, all right? I'm telling you, if you hang out there long, it will bring down your attitude. But we do have responsibility to work through the broken stuff. 
We do. And there's nothing unbiblical or wrong with that. Just don't let it wreck your attitude or your temperament as you go. All right? Enough said. He says at the end here, uh, so what you have learned and received and have seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Hey, get somebody you're following and follow well. Make sure you see, be a part of it in your impact group where you're rallying together and rally well together. Make sure that as you run together towards God, it is each of you honoring him in what you have as an attitude, in what you have as words, in what you have in your thinking, in what you have as actions. Practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Notice this, the Lord is near and the God of peace will be with you. He bookends it with the presence of God and the divine work, the impact on your soul is a peace that is inexplicable from a human perspective. Get your relationships clean. Have an attitude of approach that is rejoicing, not anxious, low control, high trust, and make sure you think on the things God's called you to. And I'm telling you, peace is yours. That's the promise not experiencing it, then do some diagnosing what needs to go on, that your God may reign in your heart and life. Uh, Look, our God forever reigns and we worship him as such. Now the question is, are you ready to let him reign in your life right now? In my head, in my heart, in my hands, as I'm yours, Lord. That's our call and peace can be had. Let's pray.